welcome to All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian, and I'm here with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Brian, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I enjoyed our last podcast. You enjoyed our last podcast. So here we are doing another. And I think other people enjoyed it, too. I mean, people have told me that they enjoyed it. So that really makes me happy. That's good. It's a lot of enjoyment. A lot of a lot of joy around. I went to my therapist yesterday. And she said, this is session seven of eight. So this is what my insurance is paid for because I decided that I would go this route. So she said, this is seven of eight. And I said, that's cool. So originally when I was there, I was put on Prozac. In the last few days, I have not taken my Prozac because I'm out. But I have an appointment coming up to meet with the lady again. But I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of, I don't, I kind of want to see where I am in just baseline without anything. I don't want to take anything. I want to see where I am. I want to see if... I was just in a bad spot when I started all this and my head just wasn't right. And I kind of want to see if maybe having a daughter now has sort of centered me on what I need to do, what I need to get done, how I really feel. I want all that. So I kind of want to see where I'm at in that respect. I'm just curious, did you run that by your therapist or is this something you want to do on your own? She, okay, so I know because I haven't seen the therapist because I had to, we had a baby appointment, so I couldn't go to my last day. with the therapist, there's the therapist person that you talk to, and then the psychiatrist. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. The therapist I talked to, and 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 everything's fine. Uh, the psychiatrist, I missed my last appointment because of we had some baby thing that day, and so I didn't go. And then my prescription ran out, and I was just like, okay, I want to see because I've I've missed days before, but I'm and I you're not supposed to do this. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this to anybody else, and I knew Dude, that's why wife, you were saying my this. A- my wife's a pharmacist, and if I ever miss something like that, I mean, she goes nuts and uh, yeah i mean I, I i already have an appointment scheduled in the next couple of weeks to go back to the psychiatrist um but i kind of don't i don't know i don't really feel the i don't notice the prozac maybe you're not supposed i don't think you're supposed to it's not like you're gonna just woo feel it is my understanding of the drug it's you know uh, over time thing but uh you know i wonder if i don't know i'm, I'm just kind of curious where my mind is headed i may have mentioned this to you before but Early on in my recovery, when I was just having multiple, you know, they call it modalities to try to treat this gambling addiction, one of the things they put me on was um, a, a medication called naltrexone. That's used more commonly for people that are addicted to substances, but I was told that it's also been tested for and apparently approved for use to decrease urges for gambling addiction. You know, having said that, I'm just talking as a layperson. Anybody that's listening, I'm not giving advice to. Talk to your doctor if you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen to me talk about my medication. Talk to your doctor. Exactly. But I wanted to share this because it really is, is connected to what you were saying. I remember about six months of being on this naltrexone. Um, I started thinking, well, how do I know this naltrexone is doing anything. I mean, I was going to GA, I was going to my therapist. So I was having, you know, multiple kind of opportunities to to get treated. And uh, so I asked the psychiatrist and I said, uh, well, how do I know that this medication is is working? Because if, you know, if, if I would be okay without it, I'd rather be without it. And his answer was, well, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, just leave it as is. And I wasn't really that thrilled with that answer. I just think that there's my, really no way to know. My understanding uh, is that they really can't test. The, yeah. They, yeah. They can't test the brain function. So you just sort of try stuff, which is why, I mean, she said I could go all the way up to 80 milligrams a dose of Prozac. And I'm on 30 right now. And I said, 80? I don't notice it now. I'm not going to notice it at 80. I don't notice any change now the question is does your wife notice a change because that's she, that's she my said barometer. she did one day she verbalized it one day and said you seem like you are more in touch with the people around you at this moment like because usually i go and hide you know you you were witness uh, i go and hide um but she said you seem like you are engaging with people again and i said oh okay but I don't – I mean I do do it once in a while, but I don't know if that was the medication, if that just was a good day. Maybe I had a couple beers that day. I don't know. Right, right. And I, I'm sort I, – I sort of did what you did. Um, I was on – or I, I still am on Zoloft. 
and also a very small dose. And I decided at some point a couple of months ago that I wasn't going to take it. And I didn't tell anybody. Again, not a smart thing to do. But I would say within a couple of weeks, my wife asked me, are you still taking the, your Zoloft? And I went, ahamana, ahamana. And of course, I have to be honest because now I'm in recovery and we have to really focus on being honest. And I said, uh, no, I stopped taking it. And she said, yeah, I can tell. And I went, no. Nah. And she said, well, why would I ask the question if I didn't notice anything? And I couldn't really answer that. So apparently other people may notice or, or may be a better barometer of how you're doing, especially when it's not yeah. something dramatic. You know what I mean? I mean, what you're on and what I'm on are pretty low doses from what I understand. It's not, yeah, it's not like it's stopping us from hearing voices. I did. I, can I tell you something about that though? I, I told her, I told the therapist yesterday, I said, it's funny too, because like therapy's private and I just get on here and blab all about what I said. I don't know how That's else to right be on to this do. podcast. Yeah. I asked her, I said, does your head go all day? And she said, what do you mean? I said, I talk to myself all day long in my head. I just sit there talking to myself about anything and everything. Things from when I was 12 that pop in my head and I just start thinking about it. Um, things that made me feel guilty from, you know, 10 years ago when I was dating a girl and, and I wasn't the best human being because I was preoccupied. But I told her this. I said, just all day long. She goes, well, people's heads go, but generally not all day long. I said, well, mine goes all day long. I said, I'm constantly just thinking to myself and talking to myself. And she said, okay, well, that's something to keep an eye on. Is this what everybody else in their head is? It's their own voice talking to himself constantly. I don't know. But I told her that. Did she, did she ask you if, if it interferes with anything, like any of your daily activities? She wanted me she, – she suggested and she turned my name in to, the, to get tested for ADHD. In my adult life, I've met uh, a few people who are on Adderall and they say that it really makes you focus. I know that's a whole other drug where, I mean, than what I'm on now and I'm not right. – but I have, a, I, have, I have a couple of acquaintances who – took Adderall and it worked for them and they swear by it. Now I know a bunch of, I didn't take it when I was 22 and in college because I wasn't in college at 22. I dropped out because gambling. Hey, but I, I mean, just uh, other adults my age who I've known since for a while that uh, are on it that swear by it. And so she said, well, I mean, that's an ADHD thing. You, you know, you can take there's a test you can take. So I'm going to put your name in and they'll contact you. So that's what she, she did. Cause she think, cause I said, I said some other things. She goes, that's not really associated with depression. I said, I don't, I don't think I'm depressed. I think I'm just in my head a lot and I don't know what that is. I don't know why I'm in my head a lot, but I think, you know, even at work when I would get angry, I was in my head. Cause I was like, this is ridiculous. And I, I mean, this all started, I went to therapy because I was at work and angry all the time. I was like, why am I so angry? <laughs> when I'm at work, uh, but I don't go to work anymore. And so that anger kind of went away. I think with the fact, I think that comes from a lifetime of doing work that you don't really want to be doing. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, I think, cause I was the same way at other jobs and it's like, you're working jobs you didn't set out to work for. I'm not doing what I wanted to be doing. But you That's, know, the, I think, the, Adderall, the, the Adderall is, is really an, an interesting. You may remember me telling you, or I think even on this podcast, me, me saying that at one point, while I was really in my severe addictive stage of gambling, and I wasn't sleeping at night, and of course I was hid, hiding my gambling, my wife saw that I wasn't sleeping at night, and of course having no clue that I was gambling because I was such a good liar, um, she had said, you know, you really need to see a psychiatrist because it looks like you have insomnia. And they may, you know, it's not good to have two hours of sleep at night. Of course, I said, okay. And I went to see this psychiatrist who I never told that I had a gambling addiction. And he was uh, pretty, um, you know, pretty liberal in prescribing medicine. And after I told him my issues that I had a hard time sleeping, and then in the morning, if I took a sleeping pill, I'd have a hard time waking up. So he, what he did was he prescribed Valium for me to take at night and Adderall for me to take in the morning. And that was like the best mixture that you can give somebody who is a compulsive gambler and goes to the casino and tries to then go to work on two hours of sleep. So I'd just be popping my... So you're sticking downer. it up in a, an upper and a downer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whenever you need it. Right. The reason why I'm mentioning this also is that I felt the Adderall 
enhanced my gambling urges and I don't want to say uh, joys. I wasn't wasn't really joyous at that point, but it certainly made me more focused when I was playing those slot machines because yeah. you know as you and I have spoken about a lot. Did it excite you? It made me in that zone. You know my my. You were already years, in that zone. Yeah, and then the Adder with the Adderall, I was totally focused on numbing myself as a result of. How often were you taking Adderall? Every single morning. I, I couldn't get up without. For it. For how long? It's got to be. It was got to be. Was it in the middle of your gambling? No, it was at the very end. In fact, when I when I began my recovery, I got all I got off all that. How long then was it that you took Adderall? I want I want to say it was probably a couple of years. You were on Adderall for a couple of years, just like three and a half years ago, four years ago, three and a half years ago. Well, I've been I'll be in recovery for four four years in in July. So um yeah, me too. uh, I mean five years. five years, years. Five years. Yeah, so yeah, you're in July too. Why do I always forget that, dude? We've talked about that before. I know, and must, I'm the medication that's making you uh, forget. What is your date again in July? See, the date that I, I used wasn't the date of my last bet because I don't remember when my last bet was, but okay. the date I used was the date I got caught and was considering suicide. Okay. That was July yeah. 24th. That's a good date. To, that mine's July 23rd. We've Good Lord, that's crazy. Dude, you're finally realizing this now? Like, I'm finally realizing. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That well, anyway, we were aligned in the so stars yes, to so do yes. this. So I really was just telling you because I wonder if people that have a gambling addiction should really um, be taken Adderall because of, I'm just going, I, I'm just saying this. Yeah, I mean, it enhanced your gambling, but it would enhance anything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you it would been, enhance anything. I mean, I've, I've taken Adderall before. That's why I knew this stuff is no joke. I mean, I, I took it because, like I said, I had some friends that took it, and I'm whatever, I, I borrowed some. <laughs> well, I'll just yeah. say it. I, I borrowed some unprescribed because yeah. I was curious. I mean, I didn't take like five. I took one. And immediately, it was when I, I, I borrowed one when I edited my movie that I made. This is so much concentration to edit. Editing this podcast is one thing. That's just sound, and you can get your different issues with sound, but you throw video on top of it in an hour and a half long, and it just gets bleh. Anyway, I took Adderall and I realized I'm really focused on this. But if I would get focused on something else like cleaning the cupboards, I would go to town on cleaning the cupboards. Right. So right. I can only imagine taking that during gambling. And because it made me feel like I felt good. Like I was like, oh, I'm working on what I'm supposed to be working on. This is great. Now I can only imagine gambling and adding Adderall on top of that yeah, would have totally made my head explode. Yeah, it was so destructive. And again, I know we've said this before, but we're very, you and I uh, are very open about, you know, these kinds of things where, you know, many people would, would want to, if not keep it to themselves, not want it on a podcast where everybody can listen to. But that's an individual yeah. choice. You know, for me, I, I don't mind talking about it because what I did learn about recovery is I'm comfortable with who I am. I really Yeah, yeah once you I, stick I really it there, out there in the ethosphere, you're... Again, I feel sort of compelled to say that we're just sharing our experiences. You know, we're not giving medical advice. We're not telling people what to do in terms. That That's something that, you know, no, your doctor has to decide. I wrote a whole book talking about all my mistakes I've ever made. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But that Adderall. I'm quite happy living out in the open, uh, people knowing all the mess stuff I messed up. But that's okay. Oh, yeah. And I, and I go around, you know, basically sharing all, all my uh airing my dirty laundry. But for me, that is an extremely important component of my recovery. I remember when you and Chris were on the podcast, you did the 20 questions with him, right? You want to do them fresh with you and I? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Have we ever done them? That would be a cool thing to do, I thought. And basically what it says um, in, in the Gambler's Anonymous material is, you know, most compulsive gamblers will answer yes to at least seven of these questions. So... Uh, <laughs> Seven. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we'll talk about that after we respond. So let's start. Okay. So question number one: Did you ever lose time from work or school due to gambling? Yes. 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 Clearly. And I can tell you exactly why. Because I would gamble all night long, and I would be very sleepy at work, or I would call in sick. All right. Well, I have a little different take on that. Sure. I would either not go to work and just go to the casino, or leave work in the middle of the day. And tell people, mainly my secretary or, or other people I work with, that I had some a deposition or a meeting. 
uh, and then go to the casino. So I guess my answer is yes as well. Well, as 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 the representative here of the hourly worker, I had to go to work. I couldn't just like leave early like, ah. but there were a few times where I did call in sick. But I did that other times, too. That was my behavior of the time. I was in my 20s. I wasn't trying to build mechanical boxes that I ended up building for many, many years. Uh, I was trying to, to do stand up and improv. And so that's what I cared about. And so wait, I wait, would wait, go wait, to work. Wait, mechanical boxes. Is that is that a metaphor or are you really? No, I, I made for years. I worked in manufacturing and we made uh, motor controllers for brushless motors. So the controller that would tell the motor to spin doesn't matter. But yeah, I missed. Yeah. All right. Well, I never knew that about you. See, I learned something. OK, number two. Has gambling ever made your home life unhappy? Yes, because I had to confess to my parents and then move in with my parents. When you have people hanging over you and wondering what you're doing with your money and your life, it makes for an unhappy, not because of anything they did. It's, I made for an unhappy home life because of myself. Yeah, I mean, same here. I mean, you know. I almost moved out of an apartment with two other people where I was paying $205, $230 a month because I said, oh, it's too expensive. But it was expensive because I was gambling all the time. Yeah. I would even say that, you know, if you if you took out the word home in this question, has gambling ever made life, your life unhappy? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's not just limited to home life. It was work yeah, life, like, home it, life. You and I didn't go to GA because everything was hunky-dory. No, 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 no. Three, did gambling affect your reputation? I, I've always said no to this question because... None of my friends at the time cared. Now I'm older now, so I have a wife and stuff. So does it affect my reputation? I think people then, people who I meet, like my wife's family, I think maybe if they find out that and then they meet me, maybe that affects my reputation. So I say no, it did not affect my reputation because nobody, like I said before in a podcast, my uncle was like, that's a problem? Gambling? Didn't know that. I'd have to say that my reputation was affected um, when I, after I got caught, I mean, I, I did yeah. a pretty good job in hiding it. Uh, but when I got caught, obviously I lost, uh, you know, my, my profession. Um, I stopped practicing law. I was put on disability status. Everybody knew what happened. So that's, that's pretty. So yours is a no. Four, have you ever felt remorse after gambling? All the time. That was dumb. I should have never done that. Why did I come here? Right. I'm yeah, stopping. Yeah. And then, no, I'm not stopping. That doesn't even warrant further explanation. Yes. Five, did you ever gamble to get money with which to pay debts or otherwise solve financial difficulties? Yes, because from the start of gambling, I created financial difficulties, so I was always trying to solve them thereafter. Ditto. I, I can't say that but I... But you didn't... Yeah, I was going to say. I didn't start didn't out that start way. Out that we way. were different positions but, in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't until I completely devastated my my life, my wife's life financially as a result of gambling and yeah. dug myself into a deep, deep hole that I would say that I gambled. But it, it actually was a very short, I think, window of when I actually thought gambling could turn things around uh, financially, you know, even with that fantasy that we have, because soon after that, I was in such debt that even if I had the most incredible winning streak um, and I was able to stop, which I, of course, I, I, I wasn't, it wouldn't have even made a debt. I was just too far, too far gone. I have a question about that later, but I don't want to interrupt the 20 okay. questions. Especially yeah. because it was, you know, my, my last years of gambling was not about the money. It was about just numbing myself from the stress. Yeah. yeah. Did gambling cause a decrease in your ambition or efficiency? Yes, because I thought if I win, I don't need, I don't need to be efficient. I don't need to be ambitious. I'm going to win and do what I want to do. And for Fantasy me, life. For yeah. Yeah. And for me, who was, who you know, pretty pretty well settled in in my um in my occupation it clearly caused a decrease i mean i spent less time at work and more time gambling and i could you know i think back that if i used you know half of that energy put half of it into my into my work that i did into gambling i'm sure that i would be speaking uh, right now from my summer home in uh 
I don't know, in Boca. I've been there. Ah, see that? Okay. Crazy. All right. Uh, seven. After lo- after losing, did you feel you must return as soon yes. as possible and win back your losses? Yes. Of Absolutely. course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. We, you know, and I did everything in my power to do so. Right. That's. Uh, I would max out a credit card that night to win back what I had lost out of my bank account. Yeah. Like, whatever. This is commonly referred to as chasing. Why ask the question? Of course. And then the flip side of that is number eight. After a win... Did you ever have a strong urge to return and win more? Shit, I won and stayed. Like, you'd win, and you'd be like, all right, I'm stashing half of this, and I'm gambling this half to win more. And then you yeah. gamble it all away because you're an idiot. Well, Because you're well, addicted to gambling. Because you're addicted to gambling. It's yeah. Not because like, you're an idiot. Like, I mean, how many times have I, have I gone to the casino, and I was just strapped to pay a very significant bill, like my mortgage payment? And I said, oh, if I can only win enough to pay my mortgage payment that's overdue, I will go home today. And I did win enough to pay that mortgage payment, but I didn't go home. Just totally. Like why go home? Exactly. Yeah. I could and, win and, enough and, to. And, and, yeah. And, and also, I don't know if, if you've ever experienced that. If I won very early on in my gambling, hey, I don't want to go home yet. I just got here. Yeah, I just got here. It didn't matter. I just that got I won. here. Yeah. yeah. Woohoo, jackpot. More money to gamble tonight. And then you can start playing, you know, more expensive and really go for some life changing money. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Number nine. Did you often gamble until all your money was gone? Yes. 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 I could even say, did you often gamble until all your money was gone and other people's money were gone? I think later on in years, I would save like 20 bucks for gas because I just knew like, I'm just going to throw it away and I'm not going to win anything with $20. It was the same mentality as, oh, I want a thousand. Why would I take all thousand? I'll try and gamble some of it. $20. Well, I need to eat something eventually. But that was just towards the end. At the beginning, I didn't give a shit. I mean, you know, the, the insanity, when I think about it now, I mean, obviously, I was in a, a different position in life, and I would gamble with a shitload of money. But there were times that I was literally in my car that was parked in the garage at the casino, trying to count the change in my ashtray to equal a dollar so I could go back. So you could go stick back. it in a machine? Yeah. I mean, but where were you gonna? Were you gonna walk up to the window and exchange a dollar's worth of change for a dollar bill? No, because they had those machines where you can put your change in and would, change in at the casino. Oh yeah, yeah, and then it would spit Brilliant. out. Spit out. Yeah, and then it would spit out a ticket, which you'd have to then go to the cashier to get the the or bill. Or put it in a slot machine. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's how low I was. What am I gonna do with a dollar? Dollar's not gonna get me anywhere, dude. I don't have the patience to gamble with a dollar here and a dollar there. As you well know, you can't apply logic to some of these behaviors, right? It's weird reading these now, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. definitely. Okay, 10. Did you ever borrow to finance your gambling? Yes, from bad lenders, from family, from student loans, from credit cards, from friends, everybody. And nobody knew why. Too numerous to mention. Right? That's right. Second mortgages, third mortgages, 401ks. All right. Need we go on? Okay. Number 11. Have you ever sold anything to finance gambling? I think this was always a no for me because I never really – I would adjust my life to go for gambling, but I, like, I didn't have anything of value to pawn. So it's not – I wasn't pawning golf clubs to get 200 bucks to go gamble. So I selling I, – no, I don't think I ever did. I had nothing of value. I would have. You know, it's funny. Um, I remember being at one meeting where somebody, we were doing the 20 questions and somebody was answering number 11 with an explanation said, yes, of course I sold something to finance gambling. I sold my soul. Oh, clever. Clever. Were you reluctant to use gambling money for normal expenditures? Question sounds weird to me now. In what way? In that I would have gambling money for normal. Like I was, well, I should buy some groceries with this gambling money that I've set aside. But that was never, was never set aside money to gamble. Okay. So maybe the answer is no for you. I mean, I would use all the money I had for all my bills to gamble. That sounds like a question for somebody who just started. Well, how about somebody that maybe won 
And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. If you ever won and then put aside some of your yeah. winnings for the next time to gamble. It made me feel good. And... Oh, next time. No, for that night. Okay. Or the next moment. And then uh, and then the rest you, you were going to say you were going to pay bills from. And, of course, that never worked out. But at least you set it aside. If I did win and I did was lucky enough to leave, I would put that $1,000 down on my credit card. But then, oh, I want to gamble again. And I'd go take that $1,000 cash off my credit card, costing me more money to take the cash off. I, I was never the person who was, well, I have $200 this week I can gamble. I was like, I have $200 this week, and if I don't win in that 200 I won't pay rent on time, and I'll use the $700 for rent to gamble. It's an it's just insane saying it out loud now. Did you did you ever experience, because both of us played slot machines, if, if you were up, right, and you, let's say you had a, a significant number of credits to play with in the, in the slot machine, did you ever in your mind say, okay, if I just get down to like that next even large number, like 400 yes. or 300, you're going to stop and that never fucking worked? Well, because you get down there and you're like, all right, next one, 200. <laughs> I mean, it's constantly. Yeah, excuse and, then, me. and then I hoped it would get to like 303, but then I was playing with 10 credits at a time. So, okay, well, that gave me the license to go ahead and, and go down to 200 if I can hit that even number. Did you, your brain would do that too? Because I would want it to be even. I'm like, well, it's not even. And therefore, I can't get exactly $200 out of the machine. I'm going to get $198. I don't want $98. So I'll gamble yeah. again. And if I get over 200 then I'll cash out. But if I get under, I'll go down to 100 Exactly. I mean, it's just justifying these behaviors, which were insane. It's so weird to think about that stuff now in the context of my life now, because it's completely different than it was when I was gambling. I mean, I just mean that as wife and kid. I didn't like it was just me. And so it's weird to think now if I was quietly gambling on my wife, I took three, like she would know so quickly because all of a sudden I go, I need $400. And she'd go, why? And I'd say, I, I can't use the excuses I did when I was younger when I would say, oh, I paid some extra bills. I would lie to people and tell people I paid extra bills. And I couldn't believe the stuff that I would say, but she would just, she would know in a heartbeat if I gambled. I mean, that's a good thing that your wife would, would know because that's a, uh, isn't that like a roadblock for you or at least some sense of security that if, God forbid, it ever happened where you decided to uh, gamble again, you would know in your own mind, even thinking about it, that I'm going to get caught. So maybe that would be enough to stop. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know now I'll get caught if I gamble. There's no way to hide gambling right now for me. I mean, there's always online, I'm sure, but I haven't ventured out in that world. And I'd be so worried that if I did go online and gamble, somehow it would, you know, it would haunt me. It would be like the, um, what's the old Poe with the, the heart in the floorboards? <laughs> yeah, that was a great uh, poem. That's what it would be like if I gambled online. I'd just be like, it would haunt me so much. My wife's going to find it. 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 And it would just be out there in the world and I couldn't do anything about it. You know what I mean? Like that withdrawal would be on my bank account forever. And one day she would just be looking at my bank account. What is this? What is William Hill US? Ah, it's a booze that I bought online. I mean, don't you think it has to do with the fact that your wife knows your history and therefore, yes. you know, there's a lot of antennas that are up and rightly so. But when you were gambling, you were just by yourself. So you didn't have to worry about it. was easy. About. Yeah. See, for me gambling while married, I had to take not only take control of my finances, but make sure that my wife did not have access to anything that would suggest that I was doing something like gambling. It was, I'm telling you, it, it was a tough, uh, a tough challenge, but I certainly rose to the occasion for many years. Uh, and sometimes, you know, looking back at it, um, I just, you know, kept using my, I kept justifying it by saying, look, I'm a lawyer, you know, I'm making good money. You also know that I'm stressed out. And when you ask me about finances, it makes me more stressed. So just don't worry. Everything is, is okay. It's taken care of. You know, again, she trusted me. There were so many answers to questions that people ask like how did she not know i gave a presentation once and i and she was actually in the audience my wife and i was talking about you know staying at the casino till you know two o'clock in the morning 
maybe three, four nights during the work week. And all the time telling her it's because I'm preparing for a case, I'm, you know, some deadline is up and so on. And there was a woman afterwards that came up to me and she was really very curious about how my wife did not suspect anything. Almost to the point where she was questioning whether or not my wife was sticking her head in the sand or just, you know, not smart enough maybe to, to really see all these little signals. And I remember getting really kind of angry was my first reaction. Like, how how dare you blame her? But I thought about it for a few seconds. And I said, the, the, the answer is really simple. She completely trusted me. And when you trust somebody implicitly, it's it's easy to exploit that trust. And that's what I did for so many years. Well, but would you say, because you said she asked you about the finances, so she... She trusted you, but she had her suspicions. Would you say? Well, she was asking me about. So she wasn't completely. She wasn't completely ignorant of it. It wasn't like she trusted you and everything's fine. She must have been thinking something in the back of her mind. Otherwise, she wouldn't have asked you about the finances. Frankly, she asked me about the finances only when she came to know that certain bills weren't getting paid, and I would always explain that by saying that business is not doing well. And therefore, I wasn't able to draw my salary. And that's why bills aren't getting paid. So, you know, this was, I, I'm, I'm telling you, this was a, a very well thought out and very deliberate scheme that I, that, you know, that I, that I developed and implemented. You know, I look back at it now and I even, knowing that I had have this addiction and knowing what I was going through, I look back at it and still say, what kind of a of a real miserable, just evil guy did this? And the way I sort of, not justify it, but the way that I move forward is to separate myself from my addiction. Not because I don't feel I should be held accountable for what I did, and we've discussed this before. Sure, you're still accountable. You know, somebody that is addicted to opioids or drinks and then drives because they're an alcoholic and they need to drink, they still should be accountable for the damage that they may cause. You know, for me and gambling, I look at it the same way. I'm accountable for those behaviors, but the addiction explained, at least in part, why I engaged in those behaviors. And it allows me to separate myself. I'm still the same Jeff that was brought up with good values and all that, but the addiction was so powerful that it completely destroyed those values. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense sense to me as well, but there's still a part of me that is amazed that I did the things that I did. And I guess that's that's just something that I have to accept and uh, and try to use in order to keep me on the right path. But I will tell you, you know, for anybody that may be listening, and may find themselves, you know, in the midst of, you know, hiding and lying and not being real happy with doing that, yet being concerned about the repercussions of getting either caught or actually disclosing it to the people that you love. I'm not going to make light of it. I mean, it was, it was tough to go through it. But I can say having gone through it, there is an ending to it. And if you want to, you can then begin to develop a new way of of living. And uh, that's the beauty about recovery as far as I'm concerned. And if anybody, you know, if I could do it, I would say most people can do it. You know, we talk about rock bottom sometimes and what is everybody's rock bottom. I mean, I, I'm not going to say, you know, what's a rock bottom, but I certainly was in a very, very dark place. Uh, caused so much destruction in every capacity of my life. But yet I was able to get through it with the help of so many people like you, Brian. Actually, I, I'm saying that I'm actually saying that, but it you did help me. Paul, oh, you're cured. Congratulations. <laughs> Don't even say that. I'd say you could probably go gamble. <laughs> Fuck you. you know, just like $40 here, $40 there. Oh, God. Don't listen, folks. He's... No, that's terrible. I would Don't listen, I... folks. It's the medication that he's on. We may appear that, you know, when we talk about these things, even really past behaviors that were 
we're not very proud of, but we're, we're talking about it very matter-of-factly and even sometimes throwing a joke or two. That doesn't reflect the seriousness of, of how it was when we were going through it. I think it's a more of a reflection of the success of recovery and that we can look back at it and not, you know, be devastated each time we talk about it, know that we're talking about it to, to try to help people and help ourselves and not either break down crying or, 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 you know, get depressed about it. But again, it's not a reflection of how horrible things were when we were going through it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say that's well said. I mean, I think if you turn on this podcast to just the most recent episodes, start listening, you're like, these guys really laugh a lot about their addiction. It doesn't sound like it was that bad. They were bad. It's just time. Yeah. It's the same thing we've said before is like time heals that wound. I mean, if I was still crying every time I thought about gambling or the things I did during gambling, I wouldn't be able to get through my day. Well, I'm pretty lighthearted about that. I mean, I really screwed myself, so that's why I laugh so much about it. But let me, I just wanted to mention one thing about the the reluctant to use gambling money for normal expenditures. You know, sometimes when I, the very rare occasions when, where I left the casino with a ton of money because it just so happened that I hit a huge jackpot and I couldn't even stay long enough to put it all back, to be honest with you. So I'm talking about, you know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars and I'm, and I'm walking home. I could have walked home with probably 12, but I lost part of it. And then I finally left after, you know, being exhausted. I remember the exact suit pocket, inside jacket pocket, that I would put my, quote, gambling money in. And then take some out for the normal expenditures I had to pay. And that money that remained in the suit pocket probably remained there two, three days at most before it went back to... It's home in the casino and, you know, and I left it there. So I guess that's sort of what this question asked. Was I reluctant to use gambling money? Yes, because I didn't want to touch that part of the money because I deserved it. And that was my ammunition for the next time. All right. Now, 13. Did gambling make you careless of the welfare of yourself or your family? Yeah, yes. of course. Again, no explanation needed, right? Because I wasn't thinking about anything else. It was just, I'm going to go gamble. I don't know what's going to happen next. This next question. Caution to the wind. I'm sorry? Through caution to the wind and just go. Worry about the consequences later. Oh, of course. Or actually, I wouldn't worry about the consequences because there weren't going to be any because I was going to win. All the problems would be solved in one night every time. See, that's interesting. I experienced, again, my last years of gambling, the flip side of that. And that is... I knew there were going to be consequences, but they were so plentiful and so deep and so debilitating that I didn't care anymore. I know I was fucked. So I might as well just blow it. It's interesting. Yeah. It was as the other way. I was like, I don't whatever. I'm not going to cause anything that's going to, I didn't even think about it. And that's probably why I relapsed so many times is because I didn't think about the consequences for myself or what I was causing other people. I was just, I just kept doing it. Like, whatever, I'm still alive, I'm still okay, here we go. Not realizing that at the same time, my trust levels with other people is going down and people are sick of the same old story. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. Like I dug a really big hole and and, and that was from not worrying about consequences. Right. So question 14, I've never heard in my, you know, almost four years in going to GA meetings, I've never heard a person say no to this question. Did you ever gamble longer than you had planned. I don't think I ever planned, except, you know, I would go at, I would go in the evening and know I had to go to work the next day, you know? And sometimes you'd make it to work and sometimes you'd call in sick because you were tired because you were at the casino till 5 a.m. But in your mind, I mean, in your mind, you probably, you know, rationalized, okay, I'll just go there until midnight or set a cap. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Let me go, let me go for the evening and see what happens. And then when you see the exodus of people and you're still there trying to win back your money in the vacuum, my favorite time, my favorite thing to quote from the casino is that the, the vacuum's coming up. That's when you knew you were, that's when I felt my shittiest was someone's vacuuming under my feet as I'm sitting at a slot machine chain smoking at three in the morning when there's 17 other people in the casino. It didn't even occur to me then so much because I didn't care because at that point I wasn't drunk. 
because again, I didn't, I didn't like to go to the bathroom. So I'd have a beer or two at the casino. It was three in the morning. I was zonked. My mind was into the gambling so much that it felt like I was drunk probably because I was just a mess. And so seeing people with vacuums under my feet was always in my head. It was terrible, but I just didn't care either because I didn't get up. But it was like the pathetic feeling of, oh, my God, I just woke up. I just sobered up. That's what it felt like. The vacuums made me feel like sobering up, like the turn on the lights and say, you can't stay here. You, but you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You're getting water splashed on your face, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, geez. So did um, they, now, did you ever experience it when they were trying to like either do something with the machines to sort of empty it out or I don't know, calibrate it or whatever they do. And they asked you to leave the machine after you're finished or not after you're finished, but in the middle of your play. They ask you to. Yeah, that or they 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 cut off an area. They put a rope up and rope it off so they right. can go through all the machines. And then you're like, well, the, I'm I wanted to play that machine all night. Now it's free, and now you're taking it away. Yeah, or thinking like, oh man, if I if I was just allowed to play another half hour, I would hit. I was convinced of that, and that there was this conspiracy to get me off the machine because they didn't want me to hit that jackpot that I was about to hit. Fifteen. This can be broken down or answered altogether. Have you ever gambled to escape worry, trouble, boredom, loneliness, grief, or loss? Worry, yes. Trouble, yes. All of them, yes. Grief, yes. Loss, yes. Loneliness, yes. But it wasn't because I was sitting at home like, I'm so lonely, I want to be around people. No, no, it was. New Year's Eve one time, I went. Because I was at home alone, I, knew, I just... It was one of those times when I was like 28, 29 or whatever. And I was at my aunt and uncle's house on New Year's because they were gone. And so I was staying there to watch their animals. And I didn't have any New Year's plans. And I was like, this kind of sucks being alone on New Year's, sitting here at home. And I just went, well, I know where there's people. And I went and I lost. And I bet you socialized a lot with the people there. Not at all. It was just nice to have people in the back. It was, again... It was, I'm going to go there, I'm going to win $50,000, everyone's going to be my friend, and my life is changing tonight. That was the thought every time, Jeff. I thought, I'm going to get a windfall of more than cash I've ever seen in my life, and my I'm just going to do whatever I want, because I'm going to have a hundred grand. And how long do you think it would have taken you to go through that hundred grand, if, if that ever happened? If I had won a hundred grand in one night at the casino? Right. 50 goes in the pocket. No, I would have put like... <laughs> 95 in my pocket and taken five and just blown it but i would have blown it so fast because that's what you you know the more you win the more you're like well i'll bet instead of betting 50 bucks i'll bet 500 dollars and then i'll get a million dollars you know you know no i mean no, it, it's it's sort of unfair to ask that question of us when we're at a place where we're at and not during the addicted stage of gambling because i can hundred thousand dollars wow i could i could very easily convince myself that yeah i would have taken ten thousand from it and just blown it and then you know put the 90 towards something but honestly that would not have happened because somebody once told me this there is never a big enough win for an addicted gambler and when i first heard that I'm thinking to myself, what are you crazy? What about all these lotteries and, you know, 300 million and this and that. But the more I thought about it and, and the craziness, you know, and, and the things that I did in terms of just gamble with so much money that I didn't have. If I had that money, oh, yeah, you know, I would want to increase and increase and increase and say, hey, I justify it because this is this is my winnings. And uh, I don't know how long it would have taken, but. It would, have, it would have disappeared, and then I would have gone back down to the negatives. Very sad. It would have taken you just as long to gamble a smaller amount as that larger amount, because I'm guessing you, you don't get that much money and then still bet the same level because it's not exciting. Exactly. You bet the higher level because you're really trying to... All of a sudden, you want them to come to you and be like, here's all the money we have in the casino. You've done it. You won life. Right. But it's never... You yeah, you're right. Now. It's never enough. Never enough, yeah. That's the that's uh, my friend Michael Burke's book, Never Enough. The lawyer that uh, wrote that book. That it is weird though because then, that years all these years later, I'm like two hundred dollars. Wow, look at all this money. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sixteen. Have you ever committed or considered committing an illegal act 
to finance gambling. No. I, I fantasize about it, but I was like, I don't. Yeah, no, not me. I don't know what I would have done that wouldn't have been like robbing somebody, but I would have never robbed anybody. So say that again. You would have what? I would have never. The only thing I could have never. No, no, no. I, I just want to. I want you to say that again. I would have never. I don't think I've ever. I ever would have robbed anybody because I didn't. Although I guess I lied and took money, so I don't know. It's just similar. But no, I mean, I've always answered no to that question because I didn't. No, I understand. Do I anything, understand. at least that I'm aware of, that was illegal. Did you ever have like? I know you were single at the time, so it wasn't a question of like having your wife sign a loan that you were taking out. Did you ever have anybody like your parents co-sign a loan? Yeah, well, the grandfather co-signed that student loan that I got. Right, and um, he was under the impression that you were going to use those funds to pay for college. No, after he co-signed the loan for me, he just said, well, I'll give you the money and then you don't have to take this loan. And so he gave me the money and I, I don't – did I ever mention that part of it? I, maybe I didn't explain that correctly and I didn't return the loan. I didn't – because the loan sent me a check and then my grandfather gave me a check for the same amount and said, well, just send that back and close the loan. Don't have interest on them. You just pay me back without interest. And I said, okay. And then I, within a few days, gambled away the loan money. And then I used his money to gamble to get the loan money back to pay back the loan money. And then I was in a huge – and then I freaked out. And then I went to GA. Let me let me make sure I understand this. So he was giving you that money with the understanding, at least his understanding, that you were going to pay a loan back. I asked him to co-sign a loan. He did. And then he said, well, why don't I just give you the money and you can return the loan money? And I did not return the loan money and I took his money. But I told him I returned the loan money. So he, you told him that you returned a loan money that he co-signed. I went to his house and I said, grandfather, uh, my life is not going like I planned and I need to go back to school, which I was in. That was my intention. I did go there. I want to go back to school. I think I had, you know, had one of those nights at the casino and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I said, I'd like to go back to school. Would you co-sign a loan so that way I can go back to school? And he said, sure. And then later he said, well, wait, if that, if you just need, it was like 3,600 bucks or something. He said, if that's what you need, it was community college. Why don't I just give you the 3600 and you return the loan money? And I said, oh, okay, yeah, that would be great. I kept the loan money and I kept his money and I lied to him that I returned the loan money. And then it stuck with me forever. I was like, this is really shitty. Now, A, because I lost it, but B, because I, I didn't tell him the truth. Eight or nine months later, he died. And so that's when I felt shitty. <laughs> like I used to be, I used to cry every time I talked about this moment because I was like, then he just died. And I was like, oh my God, I can't confess. This is horrible. But you know what I ended up doing? I had to confess to my aunt. My grandmother was in a nursing home at that point, so she wasn't. So the estate went to my aunt and my mom. And I told my mom, and she's like, well, you got to tell your aunt. So I had to tell my aunt, I owe you money from his estate. I owe him money, and so therefore now I owe you money. I don't think she quite what? understood, but my mom was like, you need to tell her because you took his money. And I had to tell my mom, too. It was a bad day. I told you that I'm on disability and active status from the bar as a result yes. of my gambling addiction. As such, I'm not permitted to give out legal advice or probably state legal opinions, although this is sort of... But in a hypothetical situation, could you just give yes. your opinion? Yes. In a hypothetical situation, um, I think one can make an argument that what you did may have been an illegal act based on fraud. But that really, I mean, it really doesn't matter. This is just sort of a um, an academic question based upon whether we can get you to say yes to each of these 20 questions. Right. I mean, questions. I signed up and paid for classes. I signed up and I had to pay, I paid some money into the classes. Believe me, I, I don't need to make from an posting argument this that, podcast, that you did this and, and, and you don't need to justify it. It sucks. And for me, I will just leave it that number 16 is a yes. Okay. 17. Did gambling cause you to have difficulty in sleeping? No, I, I didn't stay up and worry or anything. Seriously? I slept like a baby. I'll go to bed. Worry about it tomorrow. Well, I already told you my, my Valium Adderall story. So that sort of answers this question as a yes. 18. Now, listen to this carefully. 
I'm going to read the exact question verbatim. I've, I've been doing that anyway, but pay attention. Do arguments, disappointments, or frustrations create within you an urge to gamble? Let me repeat. Yep. Do arguments, disappointments, or frustrations create within you an urge to gamble? Not did they, but do. Uh, did, yes. Do, I could see, but it just isn't as powerful as it used to be. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get out of here and go. So I, no, not anymore, no. Okay. I mean, can you... No, because I haven't you... come close to anything of the sort where I've gotten into an argument and been like, I'm going to go gamble. We use this this question as a topic in one of our support meetings because it's the only question of the 20 that they ask in the present tense as opposed to the past tense. It was really interesting to think about it. Like, why? Why? I mean, I think the people that wrote this book and, and these materials were, were pretty damn smart. And I don't think that this was accidental because everything else has, have you ever, or did you after losing, did you has, has gambling ever made you feel, but this says do arguments, disappointments or frustrations create within you an urge to gamble. So now, whereas when I first came into GA and was given those 20 questions to answer i answered yes because they did i mean i haven't anything that happened created an urge to gamble certainly anything out of the ordinary whether it was an argument or a frustration i mean something happened at work that frustrated me i got waking up early on a saturday morning yeah like oh man exactly opening my eyes frustrated me um and that would give me an urge to gamble but now i can answer that question very you know comfortably in saying no not today. That's how a lot of people in my GA room answer, not today. And there is only one thing we say to death, not today. These questions, although they are given typically to people that enter recovery, um, and it's supposed to give, as I said before, some determination of whether or not you are a compulsive gambler, although it doesn't exactly say that. The, the GA material says most compulsive gamblers will answer yes to at least seven of these questions. Um, I think that most people believe it's helpful to come back at various times during your recovery to go over these same questions. And some, some of these questions you have a different answer to because you just see it differently. Um, or maybe you have been able to admit things that you were sort of in denial about initially. But this question of do arguments and disappointments, um, I think really is a barometer as to how you're doing at the moment that you're being asked the question. So I can say, wow, yeah, I remember I used to gamble for any of those reasons, or I would have urges, I should say, for any of those reasons. But now that I'm thinking of it, no. I, mean, I just had an argument with so-and-so last week and gambling didn't even enter my mind. I just, you know, punched a hole through a wall, but I didn't gamble and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't feel an urge to gamble. So I think that that maybe that gives us uh, some, some reason to, uh, I don't know, feel good about our recovery. Or on the flip side, if we're still getting those urges, maybe it sort of is a reminder that we have uh, we have to continue to work on it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're up to the 20th question. The one, remember I I, I, uh, I talked to you, I guess it was the last podcast about Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon. Yeah. Well, Johnny used to do this routine that was very, very, um, very, very popular. He would play Karnak the Magician. If you remember, yeah, that. put it up to his head. Right, and... right, right, right. I have in my hand the answer to the twentieth question, and that is yes is the answer. So what's the question? Ripping up the envelope and looking at it. Have you ever considered self-destruction or suicide as a result of your gambling? Again, I'm, I'm I don't mean to make light of this. It's a very serious thing. God knows because I experienced it, but in my recovery now. Um, I can sort of 
look at this question and I'm comfortable being open that, sure, I was suicidal. On July 24th of 2015, um, I was suicidal and I expressed my suicidal thoughts, obviously enough to spend my first week of recovery in a psychiatric hospital because I was uh, basically a risk to myself. But it's a really, you know, it's a difficult question, certainly early on in your recovery, to to address and to think about. So tell me, to complete these 20 questions, have you ever considered self-destruction or suicide as a result of your gambling? No, I, I overall I'd say no. I mean, I left the casino and thought, let me drive my car into the median, that'll fix my problems. And that's not, but I didn't, not... <laughs> but I didn't serious. I don't think I ever seriously considered suicide. I, I thought like, okay, uh, how do I get out of this? Okay. I could kill myself, but then, um, I'm not gonna be able to gamble anymore. That kind of sucks. So, uh, what am I going to do instead? I, um, the night I gambled away the grandfather money, the, that night I, 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 I how do I say, I always said I faked a stroke, but I don't know if what I did was faking a stroke or not, but essentially one day I figured out that if I breathe really heavy and hard for a long time, like my face goes numb and I can't, and so I had done that. I think I was hyperventilating from losing all the money and wondering what the hell I'm going to do, but I also kind of did it on purpose to get, and then I called my mom and she said, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, my face hurts. I can't move. And she was like, you should go to a hospital. And I went to the hospital and then I got a $2,000 bill from going to the ER because I gambled that money. And yeah, that money really fucked up my head. Um, so I, that was self-destruction because I, I was hoping that if I faked a stroke, somebody else would take care of me. I got to the ER and the guy's like, uh, yeah, you're okay. You just, were you breathing funny or something? And, you know, and then there's my $2,000 bill. And my parents came to the ER too because she, my mom really thought over the phone. In hindsight, that was not very well thought out idea. I would say that was in the midst of the addiction where my thinking was not accurate, but, um, self-destruction, yes, just, but not full suicide. No, I, I don't think I could seriously say that I actually considered suicide. I know I've, I've said this before to you and, and I think on podcasts that, you know, what I've learned in my present vocation is that gambling addiction has the highest rate of suicide attempts or ideation, you know, people planning suicide than any other addiction. In fact, twice as high research shows than any other addiction. So suicide is a very serious issue. Um, so I, I feel also compelled to say if anybody's that's listening to this podcast and, you know, is at that point of desperation, which I can certainly relate to get help, call your local suicide hotline because, uh, it's something that, uh, that needs to be addressed. And, uh, and I thank God every day that I didn't follow through with my thoughts because, you know, for so many reasons and, you know, the ones that come to mind most is I would have never met my two grandchildren. And uh, sometimes I'll just look at them. And that'll sort of, you know, sink in of how close I came to, to missing it. And, uh, but when you're in, you know, in that state, when you, when you feel that you almost will do anything it takes to rid yourself of the pain, that's, that's how you justify it. And, uh, but I will tell you that, uh, you know, I hope people hear me and you and a lot of other people that have suffered from this addiction and take comfort in the fact that we have gotten through it and there is an opportunity to get treatment and it works and no matter how awful you think your life is, we're really resilient people and it's not easy. It takes a lot of effort and commitment, but it can be done. And uh, this is one lecture, Brian, that I am happy to make. 
I uh, no, I think you're right. I mean, we both were knee deep in gambling, and we're both not gambling currently, and happy not to be gambling. And they always say in the GA meetings, you know, the first thing to come back is the money because you're not actively pushing it out the door. You're, I mean, it just automatically sticks with you, and it's it's true. I mean, I have slightly different experience with the money. I mean, I ended up claiming bankruptcy, but in first few times I went to recovery, you know, the money comes back because you're still working. You're just not throwing it away every day, and that always helps because then you can pay your bills and then you start to get your your mind wrapped around like, oh, okay, I just need to fill the time that I gambled. That's the hardest part for me anyway. That was always the hardest part. I just wanted to give this phone number since you mentioned the suicide hotline. This is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline phone number. It is 1-800-273-8255. And that was the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that is 1-800-273-8255. So if anyone is having thoughts like that, you should definitely give them a call. You should tell anybody near you, frankly, because as Jeff can attest to, and I can somewhat attest to, uh, that's a serious issue that you need to get help with because it's hard to do it by yourself. Exactly. Thanks for that. Well, Jeff, we did the 20 questions. We did. And uh, it was fun. It It was. It was very enlightening. You want to give your uh, Twitter handle? You had to do that, right? Because you know how bad I am at that. You don't have to. Sure, my Twitter handle is at JPWDEL1955. Yes. And I am at Damn Gambling on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week, and we will talk to you later. (laughs) 